0: Hello, this is Justin Coleman, senior pastor at University UMC, and this is our podcast. I hope these messages engage your mind, touch your heart, and inspire you to serve God and your neighbor. Check us out online at universityumc.church. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Well, uh, good morning. It's great to be with you all. Uh, For those of you that I may have not met before, my name is Daniel Childs, and uh, I'm on staff here. I'm the pastor to our Kindred Church uh, community. And uh, it's great to be together in worship. Our our kindred community, as some of you know, worships over in Durham in the AMC Classic Movie Theater at 10 a.m. Not the AMC at South Point, uh, but the other one, the one near South Square. And, of course, you guys are always welcome to to come and join us and visit us uh, when you get a chance. But today we're here, and uh, since it is Pentecost, the the birthday of the church, as, as many people know it, we thought that uh, Justin and I could have a little sit-down and, uh, and do a little interview-style sermon today as we reflect on the state of the church and the movement of the Spirit uh, in our midst. So uh, let's have a seat, Pastor Justin. Uh, y'all think of me as David Letterman today, uh, a little <laughs> bit less funny, uh, a lot less funny, but but that's kind of how this will go. So uh, I, I've made a list of questions and uh Justin has had a sneak peek because we figured without a little bit of preparation, two preachers, when we get rolling, uh, we could be here all day. So uh, this will be a bit of a guided interview. Uh, But Pastor Justin, uh, the the first question I have for you is is this, that, you know, the first Pentecost, that great outpouring of the the Spirit that led the church in mission out into the world, it's been nearly 2,000 years since then. (laughs) And so a question I think probably a lot of people have today in, in some form or fashion is, uh, is the church still relevant a- after all of this time? And even more specifically than that, uh, you know, we're United Methodists here. Is the Methodist church still relevant after all this time?
0: Yeah. So um, Pastor Daniel decided to start with easy questions yeah, just a uh, to get us going. Um, So the uh, the first thing I'd say is commenting on the state of the Methodist Church is this. So we've had this period of time uh, that there have been disaffiliations from the United Methodist Church. Some of you may have heard about it. And so the the nomination has split uh, quite a bit in certain places and and, and a bit of that has happened here in the the state of North Carolina. So what we've learned uh, is this. One of the things I've learned is this, is that When we focus in our United Methodist Churches on what it means to be Christian, that definition has been, in so many cases, hyper-local. What I mean by that is that we focus on what I like about my church, what I like about my church. Now, when we think about what it means to be Christian in a broad sense, being a Christian in in our life of discipleship is very much about what we learn to love. Primarily, I think, it's about what we learn to love and who we learn to love. And so when we focus on uh, saying things like, well, this is what I love about my building. Uh, this is what I love about uh, my worship service, the worship servants of, of my preference. This is what I uh, like about uh, our cultural practices in my church what i like about our theology that we talk about in my church those things are are okay and they are meaningful to us but primarily as christians what i believe we're called to be thinking about is what we love and what we love is directed by what god tells us what and who god tells us to love so jesus says Two greatest commandments are these, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love your neighbor. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And In part of that loving God, we learn to love God's creation, this creation that God has given us to to delight in and steward. We learn that. We learn to love the gospel. And we learn to cling to our love of God, our love of what God has given us, the love of the gospel more than anything else. We learn to cling to these things. And, and as a part of that, we learn to love our neighbor as ourself. And we learn to live sacrificially for our neighbor. So rather than, rather than asking for our, our neighbor to sacrifice for us and for our thoughts, our preferences, what we want, Uh, We sacrifice for our neighbor, you know, and if every neighbor does that, then every neighbor is cared for, right? So we learn to love God and love neighbor and allow that to drive everything that we do. And all these things that we love that are apart from that, it's not that they're not important, but we've weighted things rightly when we focus on our love of God and our sacrificial love of neighbor.
1: Couldn't agree more. Thank you for that. So the next question I have for you, Pastor Justin, uh, relates to the pandemic. You know, the, the last several years of church history here, uh, the church, I think, has been shaken in some ways. We, we went through this time, as we've all experienced, where we couldn't gather for church uh, in the normal way for safety yeah. reasons. Right. And then what uh, we could for the first time in, in history, we could still gather digitally. And so I wonder, uh, on this side of the pandemic, uh, Pastor Justin... What have you seen that's, that's different? What have you noticed? Uh, how do you feel that, that the church has changed and, and people's engagement with the church has changed in the last few years? Right. That's another great uh,
0: question here. And, and I want to begin by adding one more thing to the previous question. Yeah, I know. Be worried. This could go on for a while. No. <laughs> but just you, the first question also had a piece about uh, relevancy. So mm-hmm. the last thing I want to say is that if the church loves well, if we love God well, and love the world well, love our neighbors well, the church will always be relevant Mm -hmm. if we learn to love well. You know, around this question of the pandemic, online worship was a great gift for those of us and those churches who could achieve it. Uh, Not every church had um, those capacities, but it's a great thing. And it's great that people are able to connect with us in other places um, and connect with us when they're out of town and, and, and things like that and worship. My, my mother is in Houston, no doubt, um, uh, watching right now. She always asks <laughs> about the other clergy and whoever she sees. and yeah, uh, Coleman. And, and, yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, so so it's, all those things are good. Yet and still, I would also say that part of the challenge of the pandemic, the pandemic was so isolating, And it was an accelerant of so many things. You've heard this. Uh, It was an accelerant of uh, mental health issues and health issues, and that has affected us. I mean, we can all name how that's affected us. We can name friends. We can name people uh, around us that that has uh, affected. Uh, I, Speaking very honestly, I had a, a Uh, a friend in the congregation who is uh, a psychologist at the very beginning of the pandemic said of relationships it's either strengthening relationships very quickly or it is speeding up the inevitable breaks in uh, relationship and there's been i mean we've experienced that i've experienced the trauma of of that you know so the pandemic was so very isolating and that trauma has continued in the midst of our society and so we have people who are isolating themselves from one another at a much greater rate inside the church outside uh, the life of the church uh, in in the life of politics in our country in so many ways these divisions keep on getting wider and wider and what has caused me to believe very much is that it's important for us to find ways to be together now, it, it may indeed be the case that because of uh, circumstances, uh, people, and we pray for whatever's going on, lots of alar- um, sirens going on in the background here. I always encourage people to just say a brief word of prayer for whatever uh, is going on, um, whoever they're responding to. But in the midst of this pandemic time, there has been so much of that separateness that being here together in person, is really important. Finding ways to gather with Christian people in small groups, in the life of worship, in other ways, is so very important because this is how we love one another as we are connected with one another in relationship. And so I think one of the pieces coming from the pandemic, as we deal with all the traumas and all the challenges and frustrations of life that we're still experiencing and still trying to understand in a lot of ways, I think that Creating the conditions where you can be together with others to share in that fellowship and share in that love is crucial.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it seems like with with church moving onto digital platforms, a benefit of that is that we can take church with us, right? And we're more connected when we're physically distanced. Uh, But maybe something that's been lost is the the, the mindset that we don't just go to church and we don't just tune into church, as good as that is, but we are the church and, and gathering matters. Yeah. So thank you for that reminder. My next question for you, uh, Pastor Justin, is, you know, here we are in 2023, right? So we're hard to believe we're moving from the beginning of this current decade into maybe the middle the middle portion. As we look ahead to, say, 2030, uh, over the next seven years or so, the, the, re- the rest of this decade, uh, what do you feel like we are called to focus on as a church? What are things that are especially important that we should be prioritizing in this in this next part of this decade.
0: Right. You know, some of this actually has to do with the first question that you asked uh, and the part that is about the, the Methodist Church. So the Methodist Church, by necessity, is in this place of redefinition, redefining what it means to be a connection with one another. And I think that the networks of churches Uh, really ought to be reimagined. And so, you know, uh, here at University Church, we like to talk about our family of churches. So the University Church family, the Kindred Church family, and as we're in this two-point charge with Amity United Methodist Church, uh, Amity is part of our our family of churches. And this network that uh, functions um, synergistically but also has missional relevance in its place, in its context, with people that the church most naturally reaches, I think is is important. And I hope to see this in various ways across uh, Methodism. So, so you have uh, campuses, communities and churches uh, that might have, you know, two to 500 people in, in, in worship um, that uh, where you can have worship that is still human, uh, you can have community that's still human scale. So you can begin to get to know people, develop relationships with people, but because of the network and how the network chooses to function synergistically, it also means that you can launch ministries that are greater than any individual in uh, that family of churches would be able to launch on its own. So, for many, many years now, uh, we have seen in in places, and and I'm from Texas, and so it's like the, you know, the home of this kind of thing. We've seen like a megachurch movement, um, and one of the benefits of the megachurch movement is that there are so many large and dramatic ministries that can be created because of the. Funding potential of all those people gathered uh, statistically, most uh, clergy people from across the country r- regardless of denomination, come from these larger contexts it 's just there 's something that that happens, but it 's also the case that each of those contexts needs to figure out how to be smaller to create smaller groups so that you can actually develop community for it to be a healthy church well. I think that that, that movement uh, will necessarily shift over time and that there's going to be this idea of you know families of churches gathering sharing a sense of of missional life uh, together but also being very local in their missional uh, contexts but able to do larger things together when they cooperate so I think that as we as our church family or our family of churches cares so much for connecting with the margins and to making a, a redemptive difference in, in, our, uh, in the uh, Chapel Hill community, Carborough community, Durham community, and beyond. I think we do it well when we function as a, as a group of uh, synergistic family, just like every family uh, works well together. And just as I hope that our United Methodist family, as we redefine ourselves, will uh, learn to work well together.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, well said. Well, that kind of uh, segues nicely into my next question for you, which is, um, you know, I'll I'll tie this into Pentecost, right? So many of you will remember the the Pentecost story in Acts chapter 2, and the the Holy Spirit is poured out Hmm. on the church. And the Spirit, one of the first things the Spirit empowers the church to do is to go out and to reach new people and to share the message of Jesus and the love of Jesus with new people. So as we think about our context today, uh, who is the Spirit empowering us and calling us to reach, would you say? Yeah.
0: Mm. So um, most churches, many churches, would say everyone. The Spirit's calling us to reach everyone. And that is um, not always practically true. And here's here's what I mean by that. All churches, I believe, are called, as we love our neighbor, and our neighbor is everyone, we are called to um, be open and hospitable to everyone. And in part of that calling, we must continuously examine ourselves and examine the cultural spaces of our churches to make sure that we are not being... Either and uh, in, in hopefully not intentionally but but mostly non-intentionally exclusive mm-hmm. and you know are we creating unreasonable barriers for people to enter into the church we've always got to be asking that question um but in a very but also uh i should say not but and also in, in a very practical sense God's Spirit may be calling us in different seasons of the church's life to focus on different populations. Mm-hmm. You know, one, because we take into account our parish. So draw, um, put a point at uh, where um, uh, university church uh, meets and where kindred uh, church meets regularly and where Amity church meets and, and, and draw a two, three, four, whatever mile radius you want around church, and you say, that's my most immediate parish, and so I'm responsible for the souls of everyone who is in that geography, whether they attend our church or not. We have a sense of responsibility for the souls who dwell in that geography. Yet there may be a time when uh, God's Spirit says, all right, for this season of the church's life, we need you to focus on college students. Uh, For this season of the church's life, we need you to focus on Uh, elementary school children. Uh, For this season of the church's life, we need you to focus on uh, high school students. Uh, For this season of the church's life, we need you to focus on senior adults. And so on and so forth. There may be seasons where that happens. For this season of the church's life, uh, the church needs to find a way to open its doors to embrace um, uh, the Latinx community or the African American community or the Chinese community, or just so on and so forth. The Spirit, God's Spirit, may call us into those spaces, and we must find ways to listen, and again, collaboratively respond.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said, and we see that in Scripture, don't we? That, right. you know, Jesus, just before Pentecost, calls the disciples to Jerusalem, and then Samaria, and then on to the ends of the earth, and we see right. specific apostles being called to reach certain communities. So there's certainly lots of biblical precedent for that. Yeah, indeed. Um, So my next question for you uh, comes from the Scripture, uh, from Romans chapter 8. And Paul calls us in this passage to be led by the Spirit. And he says, we did not receive a spirit of slavery that leads us back into fear. And so I wonder, uh, what do you think Paul means by being led by the Spirit and, and kind of together with that? Uh, what does it mean uh, to, to receive a spirit of slavery that leads us back into fear? How can, we, mm-hmm. how can we avoid that?
0: So, you know, knowing this question was coming, I also marked down another scripture I want to read because I want to start by, by saying something about uh, Holy Spirit here. Uh, so, and this uh, comes from uh, the, the gospel of, of John here, and, and Jesus is talking about us receiving the Holy Spirit or res- receiving Holy Spirit. Um, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will send another companion, some scriptures say advocate, who will be with you forever. This companion is the Spirit of truth, whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor recognizes him. But you know him because he lives in you and will be in you. And I should say parenthetically that sometimes we toggle back and forth between calling Holy Spirit... uh, he and sometimes a she because wisdom in scripture is, is female and I mean it's in scripture and everybody in the room would say it's just true uh, um, um, often that's just the case um, and so you know we, we, we go back and forth but here Jesus is, is using um, uh, masculine language we can go I- either way here um, and then continuing on in verse 18 I won't leave you as orphan I will come to you Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live, you live, and, and that day you will know, uh, excuse me, on that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them loves me. Whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. All right, so what in the world does all this complicated uh, set of interactions mean? Well, one, this, this is Trinitarian theology working it, itself out. But I want to say a couple things about uh, I'm going to send this, uh, this comforter, this advocate, this uh, capital um, S spirit, uh, spirit of, of truth. <clears throat> so John says that the Holy Spirit's a person. So not just an it, A thing, or and that's why I sometimes drop the the when I talk about Holy Spirit. It's a person of the Trinity that is a comforter or an advocate. Now, there are two ways to talk about being a comforter or an advocate. One means of a different kind. Uh, of of than the person who's um, uh, the main source that we're talking about. And one is of the same kind as the main source that we're talking about. And the Greek here is of the same kind. So Jesus is saying, God is going to send an advocate, a comforter to be with you who is of the same kind uh, as, as God. As God the Father, as God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So God in God's fullness is with you in the power of this Holy Spirit. And this Spirit is not going to give us a spirit of slavery, which leads us back into fear. Another word for fear in the Greek is timidity. So you see um, in, um, in Romans... There's this uh, language around uh, 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 slavery, which is often slavery to sin, uh, slavery to our sinful ways, and this idea of timidity, both in the book of Acts and in the book of Romans. You see that being bold in the spirit, God's spirit is, is in you, not so you can shrink back, but so that you can move into this world boldly. As you think about the, the challenges that are, you're facing, as you think about the sin that is a part of your own life, as you think about uh, the, the sins of the world or the, uh, the frustrations of the world that are impacting your own life, you don't have to be timid. You don't have to be a slave to fear. But believing that God is radically with you. God in God's fullness is with you. Uh, You can move into the world boldly. You can pray about those things that are threatening your life, uh, uh, your relationships, your community. You can pray bold prayers about that. Because it's not that God's just some uh, being high and far away and distant, but this whole idea about Pentecost is that God's Spirit has come to dwell on each in every person so god is radically with you radically with me radically with us as we face the challenges of our personal lives as we face the challenges of our church as we face the challenges of the community and as we
1: face the challenges of the world absolutely i'm reminded as you're saying that that one of the most oft-repeated commands, maybe the most oft-repeated commands throughout Scripture is don't be afraid. God telling us over and over, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And one of the reasons we can be not afraid is, is because of the presence of the Spirit. Amen. Yeah. Uh, well, I certainly give God great thanks for this opportunity to be together and, uh, and for the birthday of the church and the ways that we see the Spirit moving through the ministries in our, our family of churches. Uh, why don't we close with a prayer? Yeah. Oh, gracious and loving God, we are so thankful to you for The gift of the Spirit, Lord. We pray that the Spirit would continue to blow in our midst, Lord. We're so thankful for the ways that we see the Spirit moving, manifesting love um, and goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of these fruit of the Spirit in our midst, God. We pray that as we move from the church's past into ever forward into the church's future, you would keep empowering us. God, keep urging us along to connect with those that you're calling us to reach so that we might be the church that you're calling us to be. We pray all of this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. 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 And before we sing, because we're going to sing in a moment, I usually do this kind of thing at the end of the service, but you mentioned the birth of the church, the birthday of the church, it is, but it's also Pastor Lindsey's birthday. Uh, So uh, could we wish uh, Pastor Lindsey a happy birthday, maybe with choral help? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. And happy birthday to the church as well. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can visit us at universityumc.church where you can find services, events, and other ways you can get involved. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. We hope the peace of Christ is with you. And we hope to see you soon.